at Lakeview Church, what a joy it is to see you in God's house, and what a joy it is to be with you in God's house. I think I'll see you in God's house if we get the lights on here in a second. Uh, <laughs> we're so glad you're here, and most importantly, I'm, I'm glad that God's presence is here this morning. Amen. Uh, if, if you'll remember, last month, uh, we completed a message series entitled, What Time Is It?, where we were addressing the question, is this the season of Christ's return? And, and we did our best to present to you and submit to you reasons why we believe this generation is very significant uh, with Bible prophecy and just biblical timelines. And uh, look, the truth is nobody knows. We just want to make sure that we know Jesus. Can I hear an amen to that? And so this month's series is kind of... Uh, I guess you would say not really a sequel because it is, it is different, but it's very applicable to the things that we've been walking through scripturally. It's entitled The Book of Daniel, and uh, this, of course, is in reference to the book of the Bible, Daniel. I, I was trying so hard to remember. One of my kids years ago asked me, uh, they said, Daddy, what's it like having a book of the Bible named after you? And I wouldn't know because uh, it's not named after me. I'm named after it. But... It is a, a book that's been near and dear to my heart because, you know, my parents did name me Daniel, and I just think the story is fascinating, but I want to remind you, I want to submit to you that these are not just stories. These are real people that really lived and really served God, and I believe that their accounts were recorded in Scripture and preserved and protected by God in His Holy Word so that we could receive inspiration and instruction from their examples. And let me give you a little bit of biblical context and, and also some cultural context before we dive into the book of Daniel. Because a couple of things that I want you to realize and recognize about this book is that it's significant for its place in the Bible and also its place in history and in culture. Uh, the, the book of Daniel, many people may not know, is one of the major prophets in the Bible, and in studying the Word, I've been so excited about how many people have been reading through the Bible with us this year. Uh, you're always welcome to begin that journey. You can download a free copy of our Bible reading plan at uh, lakeviewpeople.com slash Bible. But as people walk through, I've had some people, they've noticed it's the first time they've ever read the Bible all the way through, and they're noticing, hey, some of this doesn't seem to be in chronological order. And much of Scripture is not. In fact, specifically with the Old Testament, much of it is not in chronological order. In fact, it's grouped in categories. So you could say the Old Testament Instead of being listed chronologically, it's listed categorically. And it starts with the first five books of the Bible, which are the books of, of the law. And then there's a section of historical books, his, books of history. And then there are books of poetry. That's a category such as Psalms and Proverbs. And followed by the major prophets and then the minor prophets. I just want to clarify, the major prophets are not more special or more important than the minor prophets. That simply means they're longer. So like the, the major prophets, longer books of the Bible, more, more writing. The minor prophets are more brief. They're, they're just shorter. Daniel, the book of Daniel, is one of the major prophets, and it falls in that category. But actually, historically, uh, it's in a very significant place. There is about 4,000 years, biblically, from... Uh, the book of Genesis to the birth of Jesus. There's about 4,000 years of human history recorded in the Bible in that timeline. And 
about 400 years before the birth of Jesus, a period began where there are, there are no scriptures written. So for about 400 years at the end of the Old Testament, before the writing of the New Testament, it's what is known as the silent years. I think that's what will happen once my kids move out of the house. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I'm going to make that a new sitcom. But what happens before those 400 years are very significant. And the book of Daniel is actually very close towards that time period. In fact, Daniel lived around 600 B.C., uh, just you know, a couple hundred years before that, that time. And part of his account is when the uh, Hebrew people, when the nation of Israel fell into captivity to the Babylonian Empire. King Nebuchadnezzar was the leader of the Babylonian Empire when they took over uh, Israel at this time. And this is uh, Babylon, if you don't know, is actually modern-day Iraq. And they overthrew the Israelites. This had been prophesied. It had been forewarned. God had told the Israelites, if you don't keep following me, you run the risk of falling victim to attack from your enemies. If you don't follow God, you're, you're going to, I'm going to allow you to fall into the, the hands of the world, basically. And how many of us could apply that truth to our Christian faith? If we don't follow God, we run the risk of falling into the traps of the world. And it happened to the Israelites so many times in the Old Testament, it was like they didn't get the memo. But fortunately, we have you know, recorded history biblically where we can look at it and study it and observe it. And something very uh, fascinating about uh, the book of Daniel is that it's right towards the end. There was like the book of Daniel, then kind of like the, book, like the story of Nehemiah and his account, a few other things, and then uh, not long until that period of silence and the appearance of Jesus Christ. Another fascinating thing about the book that I just want to give you contextually and then we'll jump into it is that it could be classified, I guess, as a book of history and a book of prophecy. It's unique in this way. In fact, the first six chapters of the book of Daniel are historical by nature. And we're going to start off this series walking through some of those because you need the historical context to understand the prophetic context. But the last six are prophetic, and they talk about the end times. Uh, the, the book of Daniel is actually the most quoted Old Testament book in the book of Revelation, which many people associate with end times prophecy. And again, I just want to submit to you from my heart why I see things in Scripture that point to this generation being very significant, very important to God. But how many of you know every generation is significant to God? And every generation will see Jesus soon one way or the other. So even if Jesus doesn't come back, the way we like to say it around here is we're going to plan as if Jesus isn't coming back for 500 years, but we're going to live as if Jesus could come back any moment. And I do believe that we are living in what is known as the end times. And personally, I think it's very probable we're in the end of the end times. Just my personal belief. doesn't matter as much what I believe as much as what God's word says, though. And something that I think is important about the history section of the book of Daniel is it talks about them living in a culture where they had been captured and they had to learn how to live godly in an ungodly age. And church, I don't know how to say it uh, any more plainly, but we are just living in an ungodly age. They actually say in the United States we are becoming a post-Christian society and that should concern us. That should make us aware. Don't be afraid of that, but be aware of that fact because we don't want to get to following culture and stop following Christ. We're not called to fit into culture. We're called to make a difference, to change culture for the cause of Christ. So that's where we're going to begin today is with the message entitled, When Culture Shifts. 
Because this is something that happened to Daniel and to his uh, friends in this scripture we're going to read today. Look with me at Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. It says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. This is what we were just talking about. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered a man who we're going to talk about a lot today, Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. So Daniel and the young men that are going to be talked about today, the Hebrew young men that are with him, they had survived the war that you know had got Israel captured, but now they were being brought to their captors to see if they could be changed to fit the culture and serve in that culture. And here's why they were brought. It says they were brought before the royal families and nobility. They were looking for this, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. So by now, I'm sure you can see why my parents named me Daniel. (laughs) Don't laugh so much at that. That hurts my feelings. Uh, But they were going to be taught, it goes on to say, he was to teach them, this chief of the king's palace, to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. And then they gave them some supplies. It says the king assigned them a daily amount, and this will be important in a little while, a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they would enter the king's service. Among these, these are the young men we're going to talk about today, were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Can I ask you just to bow your heads with me and can we pray right now for God just to have his way in this place and in our hearts as his word goes forth. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your presence that is in this place and just for the treasure of your word that it never returns void. So I just pray we would be good soil to receive it and that we would not only hear it, but be doers of your word. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And all in agreement said, amen. Amen. So here's the question I want to pose uh, to you today. We're going to talk about when culture shifts. And the question becomes, what will we do when culture shifts? I shared last Sunday, if you missed the final message of the What Time Is It series, I strongly sense and believe that something changed in the spirit realm in the year 2020. Something different than's ever happened in my lifetime. And I don't even think you have to be that uh, biblical or scripturally minded to, to tell people are just more anxious. They're more easily irritated. There's a heaviness on the world. And I believe that that is in part to what the Bible calls the spirit of Antichrist, which is already in operation in the world. And as we journey through this series over the next few weeks, we're going to look more deeply about what the Bible says about that. But first, we we need to address a, a, a fact that no matter what spirits may be trying to operate in the world, we have access to the Holy Spirit. And he is second to none. So I'm really not as concerned about the Antichrist. I'm not going to spend all my time looking for the Antichrist. I want to spend my time serving Jesus Christ. Anybody with me on that? That needs to be the focus. But when culture shifts, we need to decide, do we have a firm foundation? Are we, were we just fair weather fans? Were we just serving God when it served us? 
That's the big question here. So will you be a leader in this age that we find ourselves in? Or will you just be part of the pack? Because can I tell you, it's hard to lead people if you're too busy blending in with people. And so I get asked these questions a lot. I have the privilege of getting to work a lot with our students, uh, teenage age. I was a youth pastor for over a decade before I became what I call the big church pastor. We, we always called the sanctuary that I would tell the kids we're going to big church today. So now I'm in big church. Uh, but I love working with students because honestly, sometimes teenagers, whether you like it or not, they're more honest than adults. And they're more quick to talk about their struggles while we're like, yes, I'm doing fine. They don't know any better than to just be open. And I get asked a question by them. I get asked the same question by adults, but in a different way. And what the question boils down to, whatever their struggle, whatever their situation, they'll want to know, am I able to do this thing or see this thing or listen to this or be a part of this and still be a Christian? And I usually will ask in some form, well, you know, what is God saying to you about that? I heard one pastor say he had a young man come ask him about a, a certain thing. And, and he asked him basically, you know, what is God saying to you about that? And he goes, well, I'm here talking to you, aren't I? <laughs> Obviously, God was dealing with him about it. And think about that. If you're coming to a minister to ask about something, God's probably already been trying to talk to you before you ever talk to me. And I need you to hear this. We're not here today to try to declare a big list of do's and don'ts. And we're against this and we hate this. And Christians get painted in such a, a wrong picture. Look, it's not about following rules, people. It's about following Jesus. But we need to follow Jesus to the ends of the earth. He's with us to the end of the age. Now go wherever he leads. And I hope you will too. So if he asks us to do something, it's for a reason. It's not to harm us. It's not to hold us back from fun. It's to protect us. It's to provide for us the fulfilling life that God really intended for us to have. And so a lot of people ask, like, can I do this thing? And here's a dangerous phrase. I'll ask them, well, how does that affect you? And y'all, it's something that clearly goes against God's word. They'll be like, well, I watch this in movies. I, I, listen, I watch movies and they use God's name in vain a lot. Or there's sexual things that I know really God does not approve of. Or there's violence, just, you know, gratuitous violence that I know really isn't godly. And I'll ask them, well, what does that do to you? And some are like, well, I can handle it because it doesn't bother me. And can I submit to you, that bothers me. We should not be comfortable with things that God's word says we should not be comfortable with. We've probably calloused our heart. And I've been guilty of it. To where God is helping bring conviction, not condemnation, he wants, to be free, wants us to be free. Here's the problem. Some of us, we're stuck in the same old sins and same old cycle and same old temptation because we're living the same old way we did a long time ago. God wants to change your life, and that means he's going to change your life. That'll involve changing the way we live. And, and trust the process. Trust that God... It's such a lie of the enemy that following Jesus is painful. Some people look at Christians and they look at us like we're the most miserable people in the world because that's what our face is telling them. Yeah, I've got to go to church again. Got to read my Bible. I should pray and cry out to God. It's sad. Y'all are doing it wrong if that's the way you're acting. Following Jesus is the most precious gift we could ever have and it's also the greatest adventure you could ever journey on. If you really give your life to God, God will give you a life that makes a difference in eternal things. And I tell you, if you're focused on the eternal, you're not going to worry about all these temporary problems as much. So don't let culture dictate 
your happiness, your satisfaction, your self-esteem. Let's follow Christ, not culture. In Daniel chapter 1 verse 7, it begins the process of three things that I want to give to you today that culture will try to do to us. And this is believers, okay? Daniel and, and the three other Hebrew young men, they all believed in God. They were God's people, but that doesn't mean the devil's going to leave you alone. Come on, somebody. He wants to, if he can't keep you out of heaven, he at least wants to keep you from helping others and making a difference with your life. So it says the chief official gave them new names. And you may want to write this down. It's not in your notes, but that is the first thing the enemy will try to do to you. He wants to give you a new name. It says to Daniel, he gave the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, and these are names you may recognize, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. He gave these uh, Hebrew boys, he wanted to change their Hebrew names to give them new names. And that's the first thing I want you to write down. Number one, culture. The first thing it will do is it will try to rename you. It wants you to identify differently. And church believers fall into this trap. There are people who I know they're saved. I know they love Jesus. And they know that Jesus loves them. But they still identify with the wrong name. They still say, I'm an addict. I'm depressed. I am anxious. I'm defeated. I'm a failure. People don't love me. People have rejected me. Y'all, it doesn't matter what people have said about you. It matters what God says about you. And how he identifies you. So don't let anybody change your name. I'm glad that the word says we've been given a new name written down in glory. And it's mine. That's one of the things I love about the Celebrate Recovery ministry that we host here. Man, if if you need to to correct some identity issues about who you are in Christ, come on Tuesday nights at 6.30. You will not leave the same in Jesus' name. If you'll do what God's Word says and get around other people, you're going to find other people that are struggling too because we all are. Some of us just fake it. But what happens is when, when we're open and we're honest, real life change can happen. And what I love about CR is you don't identify anymore. I, I appreciate other, you know, step programs like AA and NA. They, they mean well, and I think they do some good. But honestly, they fall short in some ways. One is we're not just praying to a higher power. We're praying to the power, Jesus Christ. The only way, the only truth, the only life. And second, another big thing is they want you to identify forever. Hi, my name is and I am this. No, hi, my name is this. but I'm with Jesus, so I get a new name. He said, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here, the Bible says. Anybody believe God's word is true this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So it will try to rename you, to to change your identity, and it's an assault on your God-given destiny when the enemy tries to change your identity. He doesn't want you to know who you are so you won't know what you're capable of through Christ. I can do all things through Christ, so he doesn't want you to know who you are in Jesus. He's afraid of it, and he wants you to be afraid of your past and think it's still with you, or he'll just try to give you a new identity. This is not in your notes, but if you'd like to write stuff down, maybe write these down. Look at what the names mean. Uh, The Hebrew name Daniel means God is my judge. That's what my name means. So y'all can't judge me. God's going to judge me. But they changed his name to Belshazzar. And look at what that means in the Babylonian. If you'll pull that one up. It means lady, protect the king. I need you to notice a couple of things. And I know this is a sensitive topic, but we've got to speak the truth in love. This ain't the first time that culture has tried to confuse genders. They gave Daniel a girl name. Y'all, I barely survived junior high as it is without being, having a girl name. 
And his name literally meant lady who protects the king. And they shifted the focus. All of these, they changed their name to shift the focus. Look at this. They went from, this was an attack on gender, but look at the focus with me. If you'll pull that up on the screen uh, for me, brother. It took the focus from God to man. They, they no longer was God my judge. Now it's about protecting the king. And I tell you, church, we're here to serve God, not a government. I don't care what side of the political aisle you're on. You need to make sure you're on God's side. That's all that matters. And the next name, Hananiah, it means it's the most sacred name in in the Hebrew. It's the name for God, Yahweh. And it was Yahweh is gracious. But they changed his name to Shadrach, which meant I am fearful of God. So first it was God, you are so gracious. And now a lot of people in the church struggle with this. They're afraid God is only watching them to get them in trouble. Church, God is not watching you to condemn you for your sin. He's watching you to try to watch out for you. And he wants to deliver us from our sin. He wants us to find freedom from it. And it changed the view. It was an attack on our view of God. The focus went from God is good to God is bad. And I tell you, this has infiltrated the church world. It's similar uh, to this next one. In Mishael means who is what God is. And I know that's not perfect the, the way we might say it in English, but it's basically, basically saying how great is our God. Who is like God? No one is like him. How awesome is God? But his name, Meshach, means I am despised, contemptible, and humiliated. So no longer is it about who, how great God is. It's about how horrible I am. And I'll tell you what, we're not giving God any glory by talking about how pitiful we are. People already know how pitiful people are. They need to hear about how good Jesus is. So let's not be bashing ourselves or other people. Let's testify of the goodness of God. Amen? It doesn't do anybody any good to hear that mess. So the thing that shifted here, notice it was a boldness shift. It was the focus from confidence of, of how great God is to cowardice. And so many people discount and disqualify themselves from the future that God has for them because of the past you used to live. God is greater than your past. And he can help get you past your past. I don't care if it was five minutes ago or five seconds ago or you took a hit of something out in the parking lot. God can sober you up and clear you up and get you back on the right track today if you'll trust him. It was ne- Look, it was not our goodness that got us saved in the first place, so we can't do anything bad enough to disqualify us from the goodness of God. Praise the Lord for that truth. I need to remember that. So do you. The last name here, if you want to jot this down, Azariah, meant Yahweh has helped me. Such a beautiful truth. How many of you, you wouldn't be here except God has helped you. Look what they changed his name to. The name Abednego means servant of Nebo. He went from serving a God who loved him so much he would help him and, and, and be there for him to being a slave of a false God, Nebo, a servant. And it changed the focus from sonship to slavery. It went from being a son to a slave. And it's heartbreaking to me that so many people who are believers, we start the first step in our discipleship process. It's part of our vision statement. We want people to know God first and foremost. If you don't know Jesus, it don't matter if you know the songs we're singing or know when to stand up or sit down or know how to play a Christian. We need you to know Jesus, know God for yourself because you will stand before God one day. And can any of us be there to give account for you? So you need to know him in a very real way. But the next step is very important too. And many people never take it. They know God, but they do not find freedom from their pain, from their hurts and habits and hangups. And God wants us to be free from this. That, that name Abednego, a servant, that's that slavery to a false God. And there's so many Christians that are still stuck in addiction, still stuck in, in depression, still stuck in, in 
they don't know who they really are. And they identify more with their past than with their Savior. More with their sin than with their salvation. And I want to see God change that. Because Jesus can set you free. And he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen. So from these names, I want to give you a few phrases, which each of these three, I'm going to give you a phrase, not in your notes, but I hope you'll write it down so you might remember it. First of all, when culture shifts, which it is happening right now, you better know who you are. You better not just be a fair weather fan. (sighs) I root for the Cowboys, good days and bad days. Amen. And hey, you never know. Your quarterback may break his thumb and you still get a couple of wins. Come on, somebody, because God is good. Jesus loves the Cowboys. That's not theologically accurate at all, but a man can dream. Faith, hope, and love. I'm holding out hope, y'all. Now abide these three, Troy Aikman, Emmett Smith, Michael Irvin. Anyway. When culture shifts, we need to know our identity in God because the enemy will try to rename us. And in Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, look at the next verse of Scripture. It says, but Daniel resolved. And could I ask you to either underline or circle that word? This is my prayer for our church, is that we would have resolve. Daniel resolved not to defile himself. It's real important. This is a personal conviction of his. Not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Two things I want you to notice about the royal food and wine of why he rejected them. Satan doesn't always tempt us with things that outwardly seem evil. It's like, well, it's just food. It's just drink. What's the big deal? But his Hebrew upbringing, his commitment to God involved very strict dietary laws. And he had made a commitment to that as being a follower of God, as being part of the people of, of, of God's people, the Hebrews. And he wasn't going to just give in to the culture because he found himself in a different culture. And the second thing is, most of the food and probably all of this off of the king's table had been offered to false gods in idol worship. So by participating in it, by consuming it, he was consuming something that was not made to glorify God, but to glorify evil. And how many of us consume things, not just food, but media, music, movies, things like that, that we know it was not created to glorify God at all. And we get it in our mind. Be careful little eyes what you see, careful little ears what you hear, careful little mouth what you speak. Because I tell you, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when you're speaking death, when you're speaking pain, when you're speaking hurt and all that, it's probably because you're letting stuff in. That needs to be filtered out. You need to be careful of what what you're getting on the inside of you. And he chose not to defile himself. And he did it in such a bold way. And I want to address that. But first, let me give you your next blank. Number two, what culture does first, it tries to rename you. Number two, it will try to tame you. They didn't take these. These men were captives. They could have just put them in chains and said, You're going to have to learn our literature and you're going to have to learn our culture. No, instead, they bring the smart ones, the ones that they want to be like, that they want to bring them into the fold. They start to try to win them over with good food and good drink and, you know, all all these things to tempt them. And how many of us, you know what, you know, eating good, greasy food does to you. You just feel kind of, you need a siesta after that chips and salsa. Hallelujah. You know, it just has that effect on you. And culture is trying to tame the church. 
They're trying to say, we don't mind you being a Christian. We just don't want you shoving that Jesus down our throat. Just don't go public with it. You just need to be quiet about it. And you need to leave it out of our government. You don't need to have, be, be talking to us about what we're doing. Look, let, let me just say something very plain. This is not a political statement. It is a, a very scriptural statement. Uh, we were one nation built on God, founded on the principles of God, not the other way around. We didn't get a nation and then you know, find salvation. It was because of God that we have this great country. And we need to be careful that we don't compromise those values. And so when it comes to being a follower of God, we need to, we need to resolve not to defile ourselves. Now remember I said it was important that Daniel resolved in himself. The Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That means worry a little less about the person next to you, what they're doing, because you need to be concerned about what God's trying to do in your life and in your heart. Because if you get right with God, God has a way of glorifying himself through your life. Watch what happens in the account of, of Daniel. I just love the conviction he has. And, and let me give you another phrase to write down first before I read you another scripture. When culture shifts, I want to challenge you. Do not lose your convictions. This is not in your notes, but I want you to remember that. Don't lose your convictions. This scripture is not in your notes, but the very next two verses... Daniel chapter 1 verses 9 and 10 says, Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion. Need you to get this. God caused the official to show favor and compassion. Not Daniel's mean tweets or Facebook posts. I'm preaching to somebody. <laughs> it's the least people that have looked at, up at me in a long time. You know what I'm saying? We think we've got to argue with people, win them over with our, with our words. Man, the Bible says, like, really what impresses people, it's not our, our pervasive words or our smart speech. It's the power of God, the Apostle Paul wrote. And God caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, you know it must have been God. Because he said, I'm afraid of my Lord, the King, Nebuchadnezzar, who had assigned you food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The King would then have my head because of you. And this is true. Nebuchadnezzar was a killer. And if he disobeyed him and found out, he, he could have had him put to death. But look at Daniel chapter 1, verse 11. This is in your notes. Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test your servants for 10 days. And here again, just let me teach you a little something. Pretty much every time in the word of God that you see a period of 10 days, it's a time of testing. Many, many examples in scripture. Let me just uh, share a few of them. This is, this is one, a 10-day uh, the Ten Commandments were given to Israel as a test to will you follow the commands of God. In the book of Malachi in the Old Testament, it's one of the only places it tells us to test God is with our giving. It says the tenth, which is 10% of our income, it says test me and see if I will not pour out a blessing. In the New Testament, uh, God instructed, Jesus instructed the disciples to stay in the upper room for how long? 10 days while they waited for the day of Pentecost. And y'all, that was a, a, a great danger to them because they were wanted people, because they were with Jesus. They had the, you know, the threat of being arrested for being followers of Jesus. And even in the book of Revelation, the church at Smyrna, there was talked about this period of 10 days that they were testing and, and so many patterns of this in Scripture. So there's many times when God is, is wanting us to, 
to take a stand with culture, there'll be a period of time where there's a test of, of our faith. And it's not about God's ability to, to do something for us. It's about our ability to be obedient to God. He says here, please give us, you know, 10 days. Here's what he says to do. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. And this is what some people have based what's called the Daniel fast. If you've ever heard of that, we, we have 21 days of prayer and fasting two times a year here. We do it every January. We have 21 days of prayer and fasting. And then in August, we have just 21 days of prayer. And then some people fast during that season as well. We believe it's so important because I tell you, church, something changed in our church when we made the shift to become a people of prayer first and foremost. God said, my, my house should be called a house of prayer before he ever said a house of preaching or praise and worship or programs or anything else. So we've made a cultural decision that our culture here is to be a people of prayer. And part of that is prayer and fasting. And here is, you know, you'll hear some people do the Daniel fast. This is what it's based off of. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food. And treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. Look, the enemy who is behind the cultural shift that we're experiencing, he wants to rename us. He wants to tame us. And number three, ultimately, culture, it is trying to claim you. It wants you to be a part of the kingdom, not of God, but the kingdom of darkness. And it'll do it in any kind of deceitful way possible. The devil will lie. So will his followers. And you've got to be careful to always know the truth of God's word. But there's a battle going on that we have a role to play. We have a decision to make on will we allow culture to claim us or will we claim Jesus as our Savior and Lord of our life? And let me give you uh, the final little thing that you write down, not in your notes, final thought, is that when culture shifts, let me encourage you to never give in to the pressure. There's a lot of pressure right now, and it's going to get worse before it gets better, the Bible says. Jesus told us, he said, if you're my followers, there will be people that hate you just because you're my followers. And I think anybody with any sort of discernment is seeing that start to happen, even in America. Where people, because of our beliefs, they're saying, oh, you're intolerant. Oh, you're hateful. Oh, you're a bigot. This, whatever. Whatever lie. In many countries, they have even passed laws where it is illegal to preach against certain things that the Bible clearly says are sin. Just because Congress says it's not a sin doesn't mean that Scripture says it's not a sin. And be aware. Be be your eyes open, your heart open to what the enemy is trying to do so you don't miss what God is trying to prepare the church for. I think it is significant that this account of Daniel is, you know, this is one of the last pictures of God's people before Jesus appeared on the earth in human form. And I think we're seeing the world start to happen. It start to look very similar to this culture. We're living in a godless age because I think it's very, retun- very soon the return of God to the earth. And we need to be ready for what the Bible warns. He says in Scripture that there will even be a great falling away, a great deception or apostasy that will happen. People will fall away from, they know better, but they decide they choose culture because it's trying to claim us. 
Let me read you another passage of scripture that's not in your notes just to conclude this thought and then we'll close. In Daniel chapter 1 verse 15 it says, At the end of the ten days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. Don't you think they became just the favorites of all those people? To these four young men, look what God did for them. God gave them knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service Church, do not believe the lie that you've got to conform to culture to perform in this culture. If you will stand up, if you'll get a backbone spiritually and stand up for the things of God, God will stand for you. He will go before you. He will be your rear guard when people try to gossip about you. You're going to see that with Daniel. There's always going to be some haters that will try to backbite and try to sabotage what God is blessing in your life. But if you will trust God with your life, God will help you with wherever your life leads you. And I tell you, I don't care what day and age. Like I said... We could be wrong. I've been wrong before. I don't think we are. I think this is a very significant season that we're living in. But the truth is, you're not promised tomorrow anyway, so today is very important. And how you live your life matters. And who you give your life to matters. And look, I want you to know that there's something better out there than just the lies and the deceptions of this old world. In fact, I believe living for God is ten times better. And let me share that with you in conclusion because I believe that God is ten times better. It said that there was none like Daniel or, or the, the three Hebrew young men. That nobody competed with them, compared with them. Listen to Daniel chapter 1 verse 20. It says, In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Church, it's about time for God's people to stand up to believe what God says and trust God to position us. You say, man, I feel like my life is always just a mess. Give it completely to God. Quit trying to do things the way the world says to do things. Do things the way the Word says to do them. Y'all, too long, we've been enslaved to a culture that tells to provide for your family, you're going to have to work 100 hours a week. What good is it if we provide for our family and we never get to see our family? There's a better way. God has a better way. And we need to stand up and do the right thing. Speak the truth in love. But have some boldness. Have some conviction. Don't defile yourself. Don't let those things in your household. Don't let your kids, oh, my kids just want to be like all the other kids. Don't let them. Let them stand up for God and be an example. Look what happened with Daniel, man. All the other kids got their royal food taken away. Yeah, he changed culture just by changing his life. He didn't waste his time just arguing, casting his pearls to the swine. He just stood up for what was right, did what was right in his life. And he he exemplified being the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And man, when people see Jesus in us, it's Jesus they need to hear, not our opinions. It's Jesus they need to see, not our frustrations, not our anger with them, our hatred. Let them see the love of God to say, I'm doing this. I'm living like this, not to show that I'm more righteous than you or better than you. I'm showing that Jesus can change my 
my life, he can do the same for you. Y'all don't know who I was before Jesus found me, but I'm so glad I'm not who I used to be. And I'm not going back. And I want to lead as many people to hear the good news that Jesus, man, if he could do it for a messed up, broken Daniel, he can do it for anybody else out there. And, and man, the good news of Jesus is that he can change our life. So let me give you two questions to ask yourself. First of all, ask yourself, will I change the world or will I let the world change me? Because for too long, this is what the church has been letting happen. We can't compromise. Look, I want the opportunity to speak the truth to as many people as possible. So I try to be wise and discreet about certain things. But I tell you, church, we cannot shy away from the truth. We cannot compromise. We cannot, they need to hear. How can they, how can they know if, if somebody doesn't tell them what the Bible says? Sometimes we're the only Bible people are going to get to read. And so speak the truth to them in love. Don't let it change you because either we set the culture or we're going to reflect the culture. And that's a problem. We don't, how can people see that we're changed if they can't see that we're changed? They won't be able to see what Jesus has done in our lives if all they see is the world in our lives. So we need to be different, set apart for a purpose. You know, I say this quite often. We, we really promote this with our leadership here, but it's really for anybody that's a follower of Jesus. You're called to be a thermostat, not a thermometer. A thermometer just measures the temperature of the room. A thermostat changes the temperature of the room. And don't you think... If the spirit of Antichrist that's in this old world can wreak havoc like it's doing, that the Holy Spirit can be more powerful than any other spirit. So we should not allow, as the body of Christ, it actually says that even the Antichrist, the person of the Antichrist, there are certain things he won't be able to do until the body of Christ has been removed. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, whoever he or she may try to be. I don't care if you are the Antichrist, I serve Jesus Christ. I have Christ in me, and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of the living God. It's just what the Bible says. So will we change the world or let it change us? And the way you can decide if you're going to do that is decide, will my identity come from God or from the world? Because man, if you, if you draw your identity from God... You'll begin to look like Jesus. And everywhere Jesus went, lives were changed. People were, changed. People were drawn to him. Jesus didn't represent the values of, of a broken culture. He didn't even represent the values of a broken religion. Can I hear somebody say amen to that? Jesus didn't come to promote religion. He came to promote his righteousness. All of our religious righteousness is like filthy rags before God. We need to promote Jesus Christ and him crucified. Forget denominations. Forget all the things that divide us. Let's talk about the one who unifies us. Let's raise the banner of Jesus so that people can see the church working together. The body of Christ. Not fighting amongst ourselves, but fighting the good fight of faith. Amen. Let's let our identity not be about the name on the sign, but my name being written down in the Lamb's book of life. Praise be to God. The final scripture I want to give you is Romans 6, 3. It says, for sin's power over us was broken when we became Christians. And I, I chose this translation because it says the word Christians. Because sadly, in our society, some people don't, it's even awkward to call yourself a Christian anymore. Because so many people have not represented it well. Any honest people in here realize that? 
you almost sometimes, some people that say they're a Christian, you don't even, but look, it's about the first part. It's about being associated with Christ. So look, if some people have misrepresented it, let, let's take it back. Because look, the devil, he's trying to rename us. He wants Christian to have a bad name in our society. He wants to try to tame us and say, oh, we'll just be nice little quiet Christians. Don't go bothering other people with your beliefs. Don't shove Jesus down their throat. He wants to claim us as our own. To say, you know what, Christianity is just part of all the world religions. That's a big lie that's coming. It's already here. That, oh, you don't have to be a follower of Jesus to go to heaven. Just find your own path. Find your own way. Jesus said, he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Hear me. This is what Jesus said. It's not my opinion. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through him. So that is a lie from Satan. Don't let people fall into that trap that I'm just a good person, good deed. Jesus said, there's none good but one. We need Jesus Christ. But the power over us from sin was broken when we became followers of Christ, when we became true Christians. But then it says, and we're baptized to become a part of Jesus Christ. Water baptism doesn't save us, but it should be a next step we take in obedience to Jesus. When you give your life to Jesus, you want to follow Jesus, you follow him one step at a time. We talk about next steps a lot here. And a big first step you need to take is going public with your decision. Because that's a reflection of how you're going to live around others. Are you going to be ashamed to be a Christian? Or are you going to be proud of your Savior, Jesus? Will you declare him as Savior and Lord? That's what the Bible says. You need to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, but you also must declare that Jesus is Lord with your mouth. And the Bible says you will be saved. It's a promise of the Word of God. Being water baptized is a powerful thing. It's a lot like the bond of a wedding ring. This ring right here lets people know I'm married to this beautiful lady over here. And in the words of the Reverend M.C. Hammer, it lets you know you can't touch this. It's true. He's a Church of God minister. Not really. <laughs> Edit that before it gets online. Uh, no, but it's true. This signify, This ring doesn't make me married. It just makes people aware of the fact that I'm married. Being water baptized doesn't make you say, but you saying I'm proud of my Savior. I don't care who knows it. And don't we need to be that way in our schools, in our workplaces, in our family, in our neighborhoods, in Walmart. Lord, people in Walmart need Jesus. So let's live like him there. Let's show the love of Jesus everywhere we go because everywhere we go, there are people that are on their way to hell if something doesn't change. And let us be the thermostat that changes the room, whatever room we walk into. Could I ask you to stand with me and with the prayer team come? And if you're in this place and you need to make a change in your life, whatever first step or next step you need to take, I'm going to ask you out of boldness, because church, it's time to be bold in our faith. I've asked Victoria if she would just come and sing a little bit of that song again, that, you're, that God is the same. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He never changes, but man, our world sure has changed. And if you need to make a decision today, that, or you need to ask for God's help today, you, you're like, you know what, maybe you live for God, but you need to find some freedom from your past pain or struggles or fears. You've got addictions, you've got difficulties, you're stuck in grief, tragedy has struck your family. Look. That happens to all of us. And you don't need to feel bad. That's the devil trying to keep you from getting your freedom. You need to run to God. Say, I need somebody to pray for me. I believe Jesus is Lord of my life and can help me be free. And he who the Son sets free is free indeed. 
So I want to ask them to, to sing this again. And can you just lift up your heart in worship? But if you need prayer for anything at all, would you come forward at this time? I'd like to pray with you. The prayer team's here to pray. Would you move while they worship God? that's ever changing is anybody else glad that Jesus has the power to change things more than anything the enemy could do amen before I, I pray a prayer dismissal and these that are praying don't you feel rushed if you need prayer come at any time we're not going anywhere we're here for you and God is here just to meet with you and speak to you through through his people and we would be honored to pray with you so you're not going to uh, interrupt me or insult me you move for in any moment if you need prayer but let me give you some information before we dismiss. First of all, if you're a guest this morning, thanks for joining us. We've got connection cards, and I would be very grateful if you'd take time to fill one out and get it to our First Impressions team, or you can put it in the offering boxes on your way out. Also, if you have prayer requests, y'all, I pray over these all week long. If you'll write down your prayer needs, I believe there is power in prayer and power in coming into agreement. So these aren't just pieces of paper that we throw away. We'll pray over these with you. So take the time to write one down, and you can put that in the, in the offering boxes you leave as well. Uh, speaking of offering, we don't pass a plate here, but we've got three ways you can give. 
You can give online at lakeviewpeople.com slash give. Use the text to give number on the screen or the website. And there's offering envelopes located nearby for your convenience. Thank you for being faithful to give so that we can be generous to do God's work and, and do ministry. Uh, I want to let you know about something exciting that's happening next Sunday. If you weren't here uh, early on and missed the announcement video during the countdown, I'm glad you did because I was in it. Uh, Sunday, October 9th, that's next Sunday. We're having a very special day. We're actually just going to have one service, one week only, so we'll go back to normal after next Sunday. But next Sunday, we're having what's called our tailgate Sunday. And do you all remember back because of COVID, we had to meet in the parking lot? We're wanting to celebrate some things that God has done, and we're going to do it because we choose to, not because we have to. We're going to have an outdoor service. It's at 1030. Okay, so service, we're only having one service next week at 1030. We're going to grill hamburgers and hot dogs. If you want to bring lawn chairs or whatever you can, or any desserts, whatever you can, but you don't have to. We're going to provide the food and drinks and things, but, but next Sunday at 1030, and this is a great opportunity to invite people. Also be a great time to see your, your church family that comes to first service. A lot of them are like, I miss seeing my friends, so we'll all get to be together next Sunday at 1030. They're going to be doing the same thing in Vernon. Man, could I ask y'all, would you just greet our Vernon campus that's watching with us online? We love you guys. Give it up for them. Pastor Mark's over there leading a great team. Hannah's there, uh, our worship team leader. Hannah's there leading worship this morning. We're so grateful for them. And they're going to be doing growth track at Vernon for the first time ever. And we're having growth track right after this service. Our first in-person growth track since back in 2020. Praise God. We're glad to be getting back to normal. Uh, if, you, if you've already signed up, we're ready for you. We've actually got some extra space and some extra food. If you'd like to go through Growth Track, it takes a couple of hours. It, we'll meet back in the fellowship hall right after service. I'll be back there with you. I'd love for you to take that next step. It's our membership course, but more importantly, it's how to get you connected, get involved in the ministry of Lakeview, find a place where you can serve. I'd love for you to be a part of that. So let me pray a prayer blessing over you. Then again, these altars are open at any time. We want you to know this is a house of prayer, and we'll stay as long as you need. Father, I thank you so much for your people. And I thank you for your word that I believe has spoken to people's hearts. Not because I said it, but just because your word is truth and it will never return void. And it has the power to change hearts and lives. So let us be changed and let us go be the change that this world needs in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, one more time, would you give Jesus praise if he's been good to you? Go with God, church. We love you. You're dismissed. If you're staying for growth track, I'll see you back there in a few minutes. God bless you, church. Go with God.